Today on The Winter Show, we talk about David Foster Wallace, Seinfeld, and the future. Let's not waste another second. This is The Winter Show. This is The Winter Show. <laughs> is that, we can't do air horns. My topic is just a quote that I want to read, and then if anyone has a thoughts about it, we can talk about it. But if anyone else wants to go first, okay. Okay, so this is David Foster Wallace, and he's writing about, um, I think the context is that he's talking about, like, the history of, the the historical context of, like, people being rebels, you know, against the current, like, the status quo, in whatever sense. Um, and he says... The next real literary rebels in this country might well emerge as some weird bunch of anti-rebels. Ones who dare to back away from ironic watching, who have the childish gall to actually endorse single entendre values, who treat old untrendy human troubles and emotions in U.S. life with reverence and conviction, who eschew uh, self-consciousness and fatigue. These anti-rebels would be outdated, of course, before they even started. Too sincere, clearly repressed, backward, quaint, naive, anachronistic. Maybe that'll be the point, why they'll be the next real rebels. Real rebels, as far as I can see, risk things. They risk disapproval. The old postmodern insurgents risked the gasp and the squeal through shock, disgust, outrage, censorship, accusations of socialism, nihilism, the new rebels might be the ones willing to risk the yawn, the rolled eyes, the cool smile, the nudged ribs, the parody of gifted ironist, the how banal. Accusations of sentimentality and melodrama, credulity, willingness to be suckered by a world of lurkers and starers who fear gaze and ridicule above imprisonment without law. Who knows? Today's most engaged young fiction does seem like some kind of lines ends. Lines end. I guess this all means we get to draw our own conclusions, and we have to. I hope you are immensely pleased. I was thinking about this because it just feels like there's got to be some life, like, yeah, like, some, like, life beyond irony, or, like, life beyond, like, this, like, it feels like an irony, like, epidemic, like, a sarcasm epidemic, uh, like, pessimism epidemic That's in good. American culture through, for, like, the last decade, mm-hmm. and it just has to end well, sometime. So, that's interesting. I, I've never actually heard that before, but I, I'm pretty, I feel like I'm pretty familiar with David Foster Wallace's thoughts on irony, because I like him, um, and I, I, I I am like very convinced by everything that you just said and that he just said. Yeah. Um, and, but to, and I, I actually think, I think about this not infrequently. Um, but I wonder if it's as bad as, as you say at the current moment, because if it almost feels like if, I mean, I guess using, I know like the media and like personal interactions are different things, but if you use current, like, TV shows and film and literature as a metric for like how ironic the current climate Mm -hmm. is. I feel like we're probably better off now than we were 10 years ago. Just using that as a metric. I feel like we're probably in general more cynical and more, um, Mm, yeah, cynical. That's another word in that same cloud. Yeah. But there, uh, I, Maybe we're more cynical and less ironic than we were. Interesting. Because we've been jaded. I think all this time, I mean, cynicism more than irony. Okay. That's good, because I was actually going to say that I really deeply enjoy irony, but feel extremely optimistic. And I don't like the pairing of irony and pessimism as things that have to be Mm. tightly coupled. So I'm totally down for cynicism as the thing Mm. that there seems to be too much of that I don't like. Yeah. I, I, I watched a YouTube video not long ago, probably some years ago, about um, 
David Foster Wallace and Irony. And he, the, yeah, that, okay. Google has been trying to get me, YouTube has been trying to get me to watch this video. It's yeah. been on the top of my, top of my recommendations on uh -huh. almost every video that I've ever seen on YouTube for the last like four years. Yeah. I've never watched it and I never will. Why? Just because YouTube recommended it? Yeah. That's fine. Um, I, I'm against YouTube videos well, like, of YouTube, that but format. Isn't YouTube controlling you? Yeah, they are. They're getting yeah. me not to watch a video. Exactly. That you otherwise might have watched. Yeah. Um, I, I, so the comparison they make with TV shows, at least, is that like the Seinfelds and the, mm -hmm. the, um, I guess, what other shows are they talking about? The, the more like, I guess an equivalent would be like, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, which is still on. So maybe not a great example of like, everyone sucks, arrested development. These characters are completely unlikable. Just watch them be complete dicks to each other. Um, and then the prime example they focused on in that YouTube video was like the office helping cause this resurgence of like sentimentality a bit. That's very interesting. In that, um, there are characters that still like fuck around and fuck with each other, but they're not afraid to get to like the more touching places and the more like real deep meaning. Yeah. Um, and that helping usher, usher in a new wave of comedy being more sentimental, which I think I agree with. At least I feel like you're getting less and less. You still get the It's Always Sunnies, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but... Um, when you say deeper meaning, I tend to find deeper meaning in a lot of these TV shows to be brutal, or not brutal, but realistic normality. Like, what are you thinking of? Uh, like, in... in uh, the office, for example, or like uh, Jim's wedding, is a very like very seps like separate kind of uh, emotion or feeling that they induce uh, from the rest of the TV show, right? I don't know if I can agree with that, but keep going with this line of reasoning, well, and I'll well, see if it's worth debating. <laughs> towards towards the end, like the when they go off the Niagara Falls, mm -hmm. it's very like touching kind of and that's very surprising given like given the typical i still think I the agree. the characters in the office are people that you gen like michael scott is a bumbling fool sometimes but he is still someone you genuinely care about and want to succeed as opposed to like the the most of the characters on arrested development who you're just like kind of laughing at and granted this is one of my favorite shows of all time yeah um but you're just like you don't you don't really want them to do well. You are just kind of in it to see the shenanigans they get into and like kind of be blessed that you aren't that type of person. Um, yeah, I, I think that is very. It's funny that Seinfeld and Arrested Development. If, if you if you had to say. If you somebody asked me what my two favorite shows are, <laughs> I think I would say Seinfeld and Arrested Development. And you said you like irony. And I like irony, so I guess that fits. But I think it's fair to have those shows at that time after decades of like sitcoms where there had to be like an Aesop's Fable style yeah. message at the end yeah. where the whole family comes together and eats dinner and, and I think having that's some big fight. The video that I was referring to okay. mentioned that as being the predecessor and like these shows like being the rebels that David Foster Wallace was right. talking about and being like, yeah. fuck that sentimentality, that, that yeah. pussy <laughs> shit, get out of here. Yeah. Um, and then, so now the new shows that we're talking about are like the anti rebels in that they're not afraid. They're like so comfortable with their sense of mm -hmm. self and their sense of their place in the world and yeah. their sense Under of understanding virtue. of human people yeah. that they're like, yeah, people feel things and that's great. And that's fine. And sometimes we, do shitty things sometimes we suck sometimes we're worth laughing at but it's all like from a very genuine place and there are still shitty shows and there are still ironic shows but i don't know maybe we can decouple the media versus like just people's interpersonal interactions because i don't know maybe that's not a, i do think we're it's hard to make general statements about interpersonal interactions because i feel like i surround myself with people who aren't afraid to be genuine and sentimental but i don't know how representative that is of most experiences here are some sentimental uh examples in the office just before the wedding <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm mostly joking, but I will name you too. Uh, Jim kneeling down at the gas station because they were so far away and he couldn't wait to propose that he had to do it there in the rain. Amazing moment. That's great. And how about he was going to engage to Pam when there were fireworks, but Andy Bernard did it in front of him. And then you could see him like close the ring and like hide it. Very touching. Okay, I'll stop there, but I could go on. I'll slice that little part in so that that the story lines up. What I mean is, when they... So, yeah, those emotional moments are... I think just because they're contrasted with everything else, they seem very emotional. But I think if you put them in a different TV show, like those exact things in a different TV show, those would not get as much... Like, they wouldn't be so isolated. Like, there are other TV shows, if you put those same things, it wouldn't be so much of an, like, uh, outlier. Well, it's still trying to be a comedy, and it's still... Right. And that's what I think... But uh, I also think... Said, it, with, these, with these things where, even in these shows, which are somewhat, you know, built around, like, uh, you know, humor and some sort of, like, uh, idio- idiotic community or group... uh in that you said, you know, there's some like deeper meaning and like there are these fewer, like few isolated things. And I think those things are isolated simply because it's in, in rough comparison to this rest of this, where you only see one side of them. All, all these characters, you see them only in the office when they, where all of them could not give a shit about anything, right? You, you don't see them in their personal lives, like, you know, at home as much. And maybe if you did see that, these isolated moments of like, very genuine caring moments would not seem so rare whereas other tv shows where you have such a large facet of uh you know emotional moments and those exact scenes if placed there might not stand out or maybe maybe but maybe that's kind of the point maybe if you had a whole show of sentimentality it would be received right. poorly and be just like this um Correct. yeah really like over, overly like, saccharine thing yeah um, and so people would relate to it less because they're like, uh, what is this? Whereas now it, I mean, obviously, and for the sake of having it all still be funny. Um, and also that humor helping to highlight the more sentimental moments. Like, have you, have you ever heard of the show? Leave it to Beaver. Yes. Yeah. This is like this 1950s, sixties show in the U S that was like, is like the stereotype of exactly that. Like every single episode, if this is like in black and white era television or maybe barely color. No, I think, I think it's in black and white. Uh, every episode like ends with some sentimental thing of learning where like the kid developed something or the family got closer whoa, together or whoa, something. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's like, oh, wait, it's really gross. It's gross. Yeah. What I would think? define it as gross. Have, like, have you watched it? Like I've watched. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sure, it can be gross. What do you think of Mr. Rogers? Mr. Rogers, I <laughs> am not a fan of. Wow. Uh, for for <laughs> some deep reasons that I can't really remember. No, I had some joke about why I don't like Mr. Rogers, but I can't remember it. And that's what you're going to pull on us in a discussion about being unsirenated. Here's my wisecrack about why I hate Mr. Rogers. Get ready. <laughs> What do you I, think about Mr. Rogers? I mean, he I wasted all of I, that government money surviving PBS and all uh-huh. that shit. It's bad. Yeah. Wait, what about government money? Where is this? How really? Is this a wisecrack? Okay. It was a wisecrack. See, it was I'm a, too. It was I'm an too, example of ironic detachment. I'm that. too much of an anti-rebel to be able to recognize the sort of irony. I'm just yeah. so down to earth. <laughs> well, I'm an anti-anti-rebel. Oh, shit. It's a new wave. Oh, my God. It's coming. <laughs> it's just coming back. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't watch Mr. Rogers all that much as a kid. I don't think, I, I don't know why. Maybe I was focused on like Sesame Street or something. Um, but I, I feel like most sh- not, I feel like you're not going to get much of any irony in a kid's show. Really? Uh, I mean, in that uh, kids focus on kids that young, you'll get like SpongeBob, which is just like, whatever. Um, yeah, like, like yeah, but I think those are, those are targeted towards, two, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think those are targeted towards two different hey. ages of people. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
what was my point? My I didn't watch it much, but I, I love the idea of it. I, I, I think it's starting kids off from such a young age of just completely, um, being unsentimental is probably not a great idea. And that's about as sentimental as it gets. Um, did you see the sidebar, the trailer for a Tom Hanks, Fred Rogers? Film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's going to be so good. It's going to be very popular. Um, I have to say. Joel, but it seems like starting this off, you, you're. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just pointed out it's like a, an example of a show that does seem u- sort of universally loved mm-hmm. that is wholesome all the time. Mm-hmm. As a counterexample to Leave It to Beaver. Like, yeah, it can be done, and it's like one of the most like sacred icons in American television. But it's, people also have a lot of like nostalgia attached to it that they don't with Leave It to Beaver. I guess like very old people do. Yeah, I mean, this is why, because like one was successful. Or one was, well, like, Mr. Rogers' show was on for like 40 years, which helps. Also, because it, like that's also a, a result factor. of it being good. Yeah, but like. The Simpsons are, have also been on for like 40 years, yeah. 30 years, something like that. Um, but I think it was like that sort of, like it's palatable for kids of, a, of an age. And then we all remember having watched it as kids as an age or like watching it with our kids. Whereas Leave it to Beaver, I guess I don't really know, but I, I think it was targeted towards the general audience. Yeah, it was supposed to be like a family like after dinner yeah. show. And I think probably at the time they really liked it. Yeah. Um, and then, and a lot of it, I think, is just the time changes. Yeah, and, and I think just with history, also, yeah. we moved into like the raging '60s, where like we sort of became disillusioned with everything in society, and we're like, "What is this? This? Oh, I've got a, one of those beeps from my AirPods." Twenty percent. Oh yeah. You started this at a hundred. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh wait, I wanted, I wanted to get my phone on the whole um, time. So like we like became incredibly cynical about everything and began to ask like, what is this sentimentality representing? Who is it for? Who is it like, Hmm. who, who sees themselves in this? Because my life is really shitty. Um, or I'm seeing tumult around myself, um, in politically and we're in nom for year 10. Um, I have like a really visceral reaction watching Seinfeld. And I think it's the reaction that people of the future are going to have as we like further distance ourselves culturally from an era of cynicism. Oh, I just now I'm going to disagree here. Like I hate it. You like I can't imagine. I can't imagine someone watching that and thinking that like this is a good thing. Or like, is there like a specific part of it that you don't like? Can you like? No, like the whole premise of having something that is. Like, so devoid of, like, wholesomeness. Have you, and you, you've given it a serious chance? Like, you've watched, like, I've, a couple I've seen everything that's been on in our apartment. But that, you were just walking by. Have I've you seen like... whole episodes. I think I know the show. Okay. I think you could properly gauge its humor. Yeah, off of, it's... like, ten seconds. Ooh, see, no, I don't think you can do that. What What's weird is that, like, the show is very much, like... A show, it's almost like deeply humane to me. It's like, it's about nothing as in there's not some grand revelation where somebody all of a sudden is no longer a racist or somebody changes the, like, People changes stay their racist life. Forever? <laughs> they stay racist forever. That's no, just they as... don't. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It's about the little moments in life that just happen to people. And I, I think it's, I really love it. It's hard to, it's hard to even describe because I love it so much. I, I feel, I see a, like a mirror in your feelings towards like the Seth Meyers thing going back to episode four. Yeah. Um, of like you almost, you, you your aversion, you're averse to comedy for comedy's sake as opposed to like comedy being embedded with some deeper meaning that can be used to teach or be used to change or. Yeah. uh, I don't even know if it's a deeper meaning, like deeper humanity. Yeah. That's fair. See, um, but whereas, uh, I mean, do you watch Arrested Development? Yeah. Have you? Uh, I'd yeah, be curious what you thought bit. about it. It's similar, less, I, I don't know. Um. The the first episode of Seinfeld is a great example, even though it's not one of my favorite episodes, because it was like the pilot. But what it is, 
oh shoot, was it the pilot? I think it was the pilot or an early episode called The Chinese Restaurant. The whole half hour is real time them at a Chinese restaurant waiting for a table for 30 minutes. And there's just like so much humor and delight and it doesn't have to have some big meaning and I just love it. And it's just like these little moments between people. Mm-hmm. And I find that part deeply human in a way that I think in the future people will go, oh yeah, I see how it's outdated because no, there are no it's... cell phones, but not that it's like, oh, no. the, something was wrong with them. It's it's not a question of there being meaning or there not being, being meaning. It's like a question of like, it's a question of like pessimism. Like, are all of the jokes like put downs? I don't know. I don't think so. I think they are. I absolutely disagree. I I think um, it, maybe the reason we like watching this like this very cynical or not even like very ironic sort of comedy is almost similar to the way in which we enjoy tragedy and that we know these things are out there. We know people die. We know people face strife. We know there are complete assholes out there in the world. And it's really for the same reason we like watching tragedy. It's It's cathartic and satisfying to watch this from a distance and from our safe couches and to just like be able to laugh at it or cry at it or whatever. Um, and sort of get those feelings out because we know this is a thing that exists in the world. Um, and that's the deeper meaning I'm finding in all of this. It's, it's more like tragedy than comedy, although it makes you laugh. Okay. I, that makes sense. Gosh, I really don't think they're put downs in Seinfeld. I haven't watched enough to be able to know. I could not okay, could, not we could, put downs, but like everything is like you don't get a sense that they really like each other. Yeah, it's like toxic. There's a difference between there there not being meaning in a show and everyone being shitty. <laughs> oh, I just don't don't see them as shitty. I think most people would say that most characters in Seinfeld are shitty. I would say. Some of the humor comes from noticing the self-interest in the characters. <laughs> that is such an understatement. <laughs> but I think you laugh because you see a little bit of yourself in them, but you're like, thank God this isn't my situation. Thank God I'm, I'm, I, like, I, my friends like me. And you are viewing it from this different spot you you are you're not viewing them as a thing to aspire to or a thing that you want in your life yeah absolutely yeah oh yeah how about that i want to consume media that inspires me i don't know oh gosh but that's like like a whole like i don't know yeah i I absolutely want most of my stuff to not be that See, I do, but I think comedy can fill a different like this is exactly this is this almost goes back to like exactly what dfw is saying that like like the sheer audacity to like show someone values and say that they're good or like the sheer audacity to like portray someone portray a thing that is like virtuous or that you should aspire. I think it's harder and and riskier. And I think it's the more dangerous, admirable form of comedy as opposed to Seinfeld or Arrested Development. But I think you can, I think you can still enjoy these things for what they are. And I mean, you don't have to, obviously, if that's not your bag. But I think we're not laughing out of malice or yeah, no, or I, out I, of cynicism. I, I, I totally agree. You're not laughing out of malice or anything. I think that history is going to look increasingly, like, weirdly on shows from this era. Like they're they're it, they're going to become less and less funny over time. My bet is strongly the opposite. Wow. I think, I mean, it might be, maybe we have to come up with a different example besides Seinfeld. <laughs> Gosh. I'll really, I, I, I'll, I I'm going to have to spend some time thinking about how to, do, how to convince somebody who has only seen parts of Seinfeld to give it another chance. I think in terms of them aging well or poorly, you could maybe compare them to like slapstick farces of 
yeah, Victorian was, England. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. Cause like, there's, they're also similarly physical and at, like devoid yeah. of humanity. Yeah. But people are seeing, people are watching them for a different reason. They're watching them for, it is a form of catharsis, I think. It's just like, absurdity. Yeah, I mean, have you seen The Three Stooges? No. I think The Three Stooges, have you seen it? Uh, I know the like premise. The premise. It, I think they hold up today just as well as they ever did. And it's yeah. pure slapstick. There's, they barely even talk. Mm. And it's just clever yeah, it's, that's and delightful. Suddenly one of the things that my mom was like, you have to watch. Really? The Three Stooges? Uh, yeah. That's uh, awesome. Well... I was actually thinking about this earlier. Like, what what would you watch with your children? Like, from now, what would you try to make sure you can also watch? So, like, my mom has every, like, has memorized, like, almost every line of The Godfather. You know? Mm-hmm. So, when I watch it, like, I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch it with like, She's like so enchanted like, by the movie. Yeah. And it's like clearly a part of like her, like when I right. watch the movie. Yeah. And I wonder what movies I'd almost force the next generation to watch with me because right. it's such a, it had uh, an impact on me or I, I can't imagine anyone not watching those movies. Yeah. So what are some, what are a couple of them? What are some possible I options? I cannot think of any, English movies. I, I, there are like a few Hindi movies I definitely watch. The mm. Lion King. I, yes, I think Lion King would be something. Well, definitely not the new one, but the old one would be something. I was, I'm try, oh, sorry. I guess I'm trying to think of like how, how would you feel about the new visuals and the old audio? <laughs> <laughs> um. I, well, okay. I guess Lion King is a, a more lighthearted. And I think a lot of, especially like. Kids movies, people tend to, like, they get, they last longer. Like, a lot of the Disney movies have lasted longer than typically the lifespan of a movie, uh, in today's day. Uh, but I think, I'm trying to think of, like, movies that probably I've, I've watched, you know, since the age of 12 that I think are, like, important to watch. I, I still think I'd watch God, like, the first Godfather with my children at some point. Uh, but oh, I guess um, actually, I can't think of many others. Are there any movies you'd watch? It's hard to. Oh, definitely. Uh, the ones that come to the well. Um, uh, what's it called? What's uh, the one where he escapes from jail? <laughs> Shawshank. Shawshank. Yes, yeah. I haven't seen that. Ah, uh, that's a good movie. You should. You, those, uh, uh, all the ones you've listed are like the ones that are considered God, greatest yeah. movies of all time. Uh, like Godfather, I think, well, is but, number yeah, one. Yeah. And, and none of these were like part of, well, I think it's, I think like Hindi movies that have like movies that I think were part of my generation that I'd also watch with my children, but I, and, but no movies are, no, I can't think of any English movies that are part of my generation that I think I'd watch. Mm. When was Shawshank Redemption? I don't know, I haven't seen it. Uh, a while back. Right. So it wasn't like, to be associated with audio? No, definitely, yeah, no, no, no. I would guess, I would guess it's an 80s movie. Let's do some real-time fact check. I here. definitely would, uh, do you think I could get, I could convince my children to watch Friends? I just, probably could. <laughs> 94. Wow. Oh, wow. That's also a 90s one. Good year for movies, I think, yeah. What else would I watch? Joel, do you have any movies? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I'd watch a lot of movies. 94. Lion King is 94. Uh, the Sting. It's just oh, such okay. a classic. And is so old that it's just like it already passed the like age test well okay an example of something would be like harry potter for our generation which is like very associated with our like my 
high school time or like middle school high school mm. and i wonder, i don't know if i'm going to give that one to you i feel like kids even today like little kids are still big it? into what else? yeah like but I'm, I'm nothing's right. replaced it sorry my point is in 10 years yeah 15 it's 15 years okay would it be something that I'd be like you how how do you not how have you not watched all the Harry Potter mm, okay mm. i mean that time, at that time they might actually remake oh, wow. harry potter Oof. Well, but that's the thing. The other thing I don't know is like that, like much of a classic. Like, also, like it's Star Wars something people we used to watch Star Wars. Yeah, and it's one of those that like is you can't replace it really. But would you? I mean, in fifteen years, would it still be something you'd have to watch? Oh, like the, the first, uh, the Batman, the is like that. The original Batman or Dark Knight? Dark Knight. Okay, Dark Knight's on my list with the Sting. <laughs> As a must-watch movie, but in fifteen years you still. Uh, but no, dark. I in a dark night. I these. This is all just based on perception, I guess. But the dark night, I feel like, will not be like a. Every kid has to watch this. Yeah, in a, definitely not. In a way that uh, Harry Potter is like everybody will Wait, know Harry Potter. In fifteen years, Harry Potter will outlast. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because I think in a lot of people's eyes, Dark Knight is just another one of the superhero movies that come out every year. Only the true seers, <laughs> the it-getters, really get it. Um, yeah, I think which which movies from our generation do you think will outlast, like last the longest? Harry Potter. Yeah, I can't think of anything I mean, else. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. I was gonna say Lord, Lord of the, the Rings. Rings like, yeah. I mean, the third run is sort of in our time. Yeah. No, no I, I was gonna say Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's just I, I don't hear much about it as now. I mean, it's. I feel like Lord of the Rings is a little more in the like, like a little more of a subculture than Harry Potter, which is really universal. The other question yeah. I have is if if viewing you know, experiences. Like I don't know. If viewing experiences change, so say we do away <laughs> with 2D viewing. Which we will. Very soon. Well, I mean, you'll still see something 2D in your uh, right. AR uh So at that point, lenses. would the... Like, Contacts, that's the word for it. I'm going to add up this little part to make the joke watch, better. Would, still be, would, would Harry Potter still be a thing if the viewing experience changes? Will they, will they be able to A, convert that into... I feel like they'll convert it for the money, and it won't be worth watching the conversion. It won't be. It won't be worth it. So then, well, it what time it'll, it'll, scale are we talking? So it will fade out pretty. I think people still watch the classic black and white movies. Like we watch classic, uh, uh, not HD movies. That is true. But uh, and those are somewhat similar. So like moving from color, like non-color to color, and mm. but here, two D just looks like. The whole experience that it might become. Will people still revert back to? I bet things basically aren't going to change for 50 years. You want to make a bet? Yeah. <laughs> I think in 50 years, people are going to have smartphones. And they're going to look like this. 50 years, people are going to have smartphones and look like this. Um, no. I'd put a bet on that. Long term bet. Yeah. Get the website up. Website up. <laughs> Wait, it's it's up. No, no, that yes. Somebody should put, put a bet on long term. Long term. What's it called? Long. Long term. Long term bets. Warren Buffett's uh, ongoing. It's over now. Oh, right. it was over. Yeah. He won, right? He won. Oh, big, Sorry, big, he big won. margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how Warren much... Buffett. What a guy. Smart guy. Anybody ever said that? Joel, you need to you have to commit like just to put that bet up, you have to put a thousand dollars just to put the bet up. <laughs> they really know how to make that money. Do you think that we won't have heads up displays? Nope. Or that there'll be heads-up displays and smartphones. We won't have heads-up displays. Like contact lens type? 
Or even or, goggles. No. None of them. Why? In 50 years? 50 years. 5-0. I bet we won't. Yep. Uh, you have very little faith in... Uh, what do you think was going to happen? Nothing. Well, oh, you think that was going to end the reason years. that it won't? There will be no reason for it to happen. I mean, give me a little something here. I Try to explain like, your ideas a little bit. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just like... I just suddenly got impressed with this like I don't know with this like perspective of like things haven't changed for 10 years things haven't changed things haven't changged for 10 years why are this headphones <laughs> <laughs> nice I mean exactly in a that's what we have to talk about. <laughs> in a deep way, things we don't have, have changed wireless wildly in 10 years. Things haven't changed at all. It's, I mean, come on. We know the things that have changed in 10 years, but so, yeah. <laughs> so we don't have to enumerate them. Uh, but like, you would, uh, to say that we wouldn't have made progress to have like heads up displays that are usable in 50 years would have to have some catastrophic change to the, like basic extrapolation of current technology, right? Well, like, like five years ago we didn't have anything. Now we have magic leap glasses that look like this. But that's that's I think the technology is there even now for some group like Google Glass heads up display. But the fact that it's the fact that that failed, not evidence of something of, I guess, just people's aversion to that sort of thing. It, it not being as much as much of a value add to people as would justify that sort of intrusion or inconvenience. Also, guys, we should start winding down in hour 45. Well, be, but uh, now I'm all hyped up on AR defense This, this will generally give us two episodes worth of stuff, so we can... Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll slice and dice. We'll slice and dice. Slice and dice. Um, like, do people want it badly enough? I think uh, people, people will still be will... watching movies in 2D at the, in theaters, just like they were 100 years ago. Now that I sort of buy. Sorry. I think we'll still be watching 2D movies at some sort because something about the fact that what do you think there's things the... to represent in 2D makes sense. Yeah. What do you think of the Black Mirror episode where you choose your own story? Uh, oh, yes. I, I mean, it like pretty much failed. It did fail, but the concept did trigger a lot of thought. The the conference the conference that I went to in L.A. Uh, I went to a talk by a guy who is a specialist who who whose like life's work is in interactive digital multimedia storytelling. Who's been involved in a bunch of these like media campaigns that are like this, where like in like the hype up to a movie, they'll try to like run like this like augmented reality game of the world or something. And he's done a bunch of like campaigns in a different one. Um, and his take was that it was cool that Netflix had money to like throw at this, but it was clear from the results that it was like not like the future. And he's generally suspicious of, or like he, he generally thinks that people don't actually want a change in the form factor of like media as they consume it right now. What were the results? The reception was mixed and just like I like a neat I, gimmick, but yeah. most people said that they would not do it again. And I liked it because it was like form following function and that the story itself was about it. And so it was like very artfully done. And that's and like the only thing that you can do with it. Though. Exactly. Yeah. And I think people, for the most part, in terms of just storytelling generally want like a canonical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it turns story. out that that is what people want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, I felt that way along for a lot of like I, I always played story based video games throughout like high school and stuff mm -hmm. and I always was averse to like the choose your own ending sort of thing where like yeah. the my actions in the game affect the outcome sort of thing yeah because I want there to be like some discussable thing that happened yeah. yeah that was that I that is like the canonical story yeah um and I think people I think that's true of most people yeah I think that's true of most people yeah I do I kind of agree mostly that um, we're pretty much in the same spot we were in 2008 technologically yeah. in terms of hardware. Yeah. I think the, the bigger changes, the drastic changes have been in social networking. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Now we're all surveilled. Yeah, that's fun. 
Okay, you think so we weren't surveilled 10 years ago? No, we weren't. I want to get back to this AR thing. <laughs> in the 90s, we had like... We had AR basically as we have it now. No, oh, so <laughs> I mean, far from yes, that. Yes, no, but like people were thinking about it. Yeah, people wanted it to exist. Yeah. And now it's coming into existence. Yeah. But the question is how, like, is it going to be relegated to video games? I no, mean, that's a great space not. for it. No, 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 So no, no, how no. do you... I know it can technically be used in, like, as a heads-up display through life, but it... it that's what it will demand be. for it. There will be. There will be. I know it can be done. I know some people will use it. Wait, because some people probably. Joel, are you saying use it can be? It can't be done, or people won't use it. I just want to clarify. Them. We'll I think it there. won't happen. So maybe because it could be done if there were capital to throw at it, if there was interest to drive the capital. Do you but think those, it, all of those are sort of like within the same system? And I'm saying that the system won't. Do you think it, it won't happen? Will be done and won't be used, or won't be even. You won't even be able to buy it. Buy what? An AR heads in fifty years. An AR heads-up display. Fifty years that works all day. I mean, I totally think you'll be able to. Yeah, buy it. yeah, definitely not all day. There's no reason to think that we'll be able to power that long. I don't know. Is it going to consume more energy than a smartphone? It'll. Will consume more energy than a smartphone, than today's smartphones. Yeah. Because um, like it could totally be that we just don't get better better battery technology in fifty years. That's like super reasonable. There's no reason to expect it to happen. Uh, yes, but that's totally fine. Why? Because the uh, battery performance of processors has is basically running on Kurzweil's law. No, it's not. There are physical limits. There are physical limits, but not that we're anything near. Uh, for size, we're near for size, but not for power performance. Kurzweil even says that information processing is is free <laughs> energy-wise. Somehow, I'd have to go back to that article. Uh, but there's something, something. Theoretically, you can process information with no energy. Yeah, so if you... Yeah, there's some, like law about like if you and this is why people care about reversible computing exactly yeah you um, run it backwards you, and then it undoes yeah, the energy yeah. yeah but all of that's a total aside i think our problem with the 10-year thing is that it's a weird 10-year period that we're in really and if, yes and i if think you, it's the future i think it's but the future that wait we've wait started. hear me out hear me out for a second just okay. just say 20 years okay now it's totally all different wildly wildly different yeah Okay. So, are you saying that there's a change between one ten year ago and this past ten years? I'm saying, oh, here, I'm saying fundamentally we can't learn anything from history. <laughs> wow, that's cynical. Like, things are just, I, I don't know, like, uh, there really is no reason to think that things will continue at the rate of progress that they've been continuing at, much less follow any exponential curve that people are projecting on the historical data. Oh, gosh. This like, is not at all. This is actually, this one is really puzzling in my head of the Kurzweil thing, where, have you heard of Kurzweil's Law of Accelerating Returns? No. Basically, he says, so there's Moore's Law, which yeah. says that processing performance doubles every 18 months or so. And he says... Basically, that this is one example of a bigger law. That is that anything that's information processing related doubles, is exponential, and exponentially improves. And he has all these charts, and they all line up for all of history. Mm. And it's just like, it's actually hard. It's hard for me to refute, even though it sounds ridiculous. Mm. And then it gets you to... Is there a ceiling? Exactly. So it hits the singularity, which is why he's like a big singularity guy, where he's like got a day, and he's like... Yeah, uh-huh. in like 2047 on July 5th, you know, <laughs> at 7 a.m. That's that's the singularity. Wow. And it's it's like hard to refute if like all the charts just line up, even though it just seems preposterous. And I don't know what to do about that part. I think you pretty easily just ignore it. How? There's no evidence to refute it. 
man, I, I, I'm realizing today just like how detached from believing things based on evidence I am. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's such a great life to live. Flat Earth. It's the next step. Okay. Sure. Flatten the Earth. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, but I, I none of this is real necessary to argue that yeah. AR will exist in 50 years. There's the technological, like what it will be capable of. But also I think what interests me more is the how is there a ceiling lower than the technological ceiling of how willing people are to allow technology to intrude upon their like real life yeah life. okay so and this is like sorry i keep interrupting people no not with this is the worst thing about me i'm sorry <laughs> there's plenty worse there's way worse thanks <laughs> way way worse that's like that's 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 what i'm sort of I, that's what i don't really know how to articulate but is ultimately what's making me say things like things are going to be the same in 50 years is that it's not like technology just develops by itself in a vacuum it's embedded in this like larger cultural social like fabric economic fueled by what people want yes and so if people just don't want google glass yeah we're not and make lots of glass. other things and like interactions within itself and mm -hmm. the environment and politics and people's like yeah like like just like the cultural mindset of like what do we want yeah like I don't think it's going to continue. In fact, I think it has been not continuing for a while. I think... I'm a micro Peter Thiel. <laughs> <laughs> Except Peter Thiel, it's, somehow you're even more extreme because he at least says information technology is progressing. He says it's been progressing since the 80s because that's what he's comparing it to like the rest of science for. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, or the 70s, if you, the, the 70s. I mean, if you look at any computing in the past, you can chart the progress. But Wait, the AR the computing, thing. Computing? No, man. This is the trick. This is the illusion. Is words like computing that are just chosen to fit metrics that have evolved. Whereas the actual, like, like the way in which it makes it too affecting human experience in terms of what you can do and the way in which you live your life, it basically hasn't changed, especially year over year, especially in the last five years. Like wait, when hold on. Said, what do we have now? Wireless headphones. Well, fucking wait, you just, you just flattened it. I was talking about the whole history of computing, which I think I'm talking about a field here. And like right now, most of the United States has a thing in their pocket that can communicate with anybody else in the United States and access like yeah ridiculous loads. We of had information. that ten years ago. We had it ten years ago, but, but not twenty years ago in our pockets. Sure. Okay. Okay. So but, what do we have? So yeah, twenty wait, years ago. Can I wait? Can I just wait? I'm let sorry, me just chart I'm out seeing, the AR yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's it's honestly even hard to imagine that we're having this debate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in the nineties, there was like dreams of heads up AR displays. Yeah. And in fact, the first one was in the late sixties. Okay. Yep. Then in maybe two thousand nine or ten or something, Google Glass came out, mm -hmm. which was a two D version of like a smartwatch in the top corner of your field of view. Mm-hmm. And then in 2012, we have deep neural nets that transform all of computer vision. And now, with a single camera on a device, you can do full 3D mappings of an entire room mm -hmm. where you can have glasses that can place content in the world. And this is like 2017 to now, mm -hmm. where like you can, you can, we can all just be staring at a same virtual object in this room with all of our devices wirelessly talking to each other. I mean, uh, we can't. Like, we're not. Well, we could if you bought one and I can go get mine that's in my room. Yeah. And the reason you don't have one right now is because it's not useful and it's expensive. And it will become more useful and less expensive. And like, it will become less obtrusive because yeah. soon it will look indistinguishable from regular in, glasses. In 50 years, I totally, less than 50 years, I totally see people working remotely, like, with the holographic version of their coworkers in the room with them. And, like... Okay. Um, like, I, I see conveniences happening that aren't just, like, the kind of shallow social media-y types that will fuel this sort of thing that I see. I don't know if, I, if people are going to be constantly wearing these all the time, but I, I definitely see, like, I mean, I tried the Magic Leap thing. I know the technology is or is coming. Okay. Um, I, I'm convinced, at least. Um, but, so, but I, and I see uses for it that are, that provide enough value that I think it will get off the ground. I don't know how incorporated it will be into people's lives. Hmm. 
I don't believe that we can pick an arbitrarily technology and make it arbitrarily good. I'm not trying to make it arbitrarily good. I'm trying to do you're, you're saying very that we can make it better and cheaper and more affordable, yeah, like in a very linear way of as if, the stuff as if that, that currently can just exists. No, it's that there are people working on it, and be, as a result of that, it'll happen. Or well, because of we, that, you believe that it will happen. If we forced everybody to stop working on it, then it wouldn't happen. But just because there are people working on it, then it'll happen. No. Yeah. But there's a. You're saying that we can't predict anything that isn't happening right now. Uh, well, uh, don't make me say that. Well, I mean, <laughs> just, oh gosh, really? The AR stuff? It's just like, yeah. it's like right around the corner. Like, no, I don't think so. What? Why would it be? Which, because, because it's just a very small linear extrapolation of what currently exists. We don't yeah, even... but we don't know if that linear extrapolation is possible or will happen. Right, because a nuclear bomb could go off tomorrow and the whole well, world could be it gone. Could also, we could also like discover that, hey, you know, like maybe it's hard to scale like whatever AR technology they have making the pictures, you know, down to a certain size or into a larger field of view. Like physically... I mean, physically, like, like there's one... like. Each year, the field of view gets wider and wider, and okay. we're hitting How up... How wide can it make it? Wider than our eyes. You think so? Yes. Do you know so? Uh, has it happened? Why hasn't it happened? Oh, okay. So what you're saying is because it hasn't happened, we can't know if it's going to exist. Mm, I mean, that is a true... That is true. Yeah, but it's not It's not worth arguing at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that's something that I think is true, but is not worth arguing. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. Is what I'm saying. What do you say? <laughs> uh, that, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, get, like take you know the size of, yeah, 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 like processor die size or something. I don't know, not die size, but processor thread size, whatever they call okay. it. Okay. Like, you could look at a chart of like how linearly it's decreased or whatever function it's decreased according to. And then be like, wow, they'll just, you know, keep making it smaller. But they won't. Because, like, there are domain-specific physical reasons why it's not going to hold up. I see. So your your 50-year thing here is because of physical limitations. The laws of physics. Not that I know what they are. But you think they exist. But I am against the belief that trends will hold up just because they're trends. Especially in areas like this. Yeah, I just think we have all of these like you, physical limits like mapped out. Like all of the ones for AR are just like we're not like transporting people through time and space here. Like it's like it's such a small, small oh, incremental jump. Okay, compared to what we've already done. Really? I don't. I, I don't. I, oh man, that's that whole mode of thinking is like raises like big like red flags for me when I like get close to it. But I want and to talk the thing about the that specifics. I think about okay. is Alan Kay's doghouse all the time. Say more about it. Alan Kay has this shtick about uh if you want to build a doghouse, you sort of have this image of like a design of a doghouse and you can like get just a bunch of like two by fours from the lumber yard and build the doghouse. And then if you later think that you want to build a really big doghouse, like the like a three story doghouse mm-hmm. Um, it turns out that you cannot just scale up that design of a doghouse to that order of magnitude, to that height, mm-hmm. excuse me, um, and then get more two by fours from the lumber yard and build that bigger of a thing because, like, volume scales differently, you know, than, you know, it's like a, a third dimensional scaling versus a linear scaling or something. And like yeah. the weight of the roof cannot be supported at that scale by walls of like the same two by four or whatever, blah, 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 blah. I was just talking about the square cube law like a week ago. Yeah. And like, it, it, will, it will like outpace you. And like, even though, it, unless you cube your, uh, material. Two by fours. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Get some, uh, oh, I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> like, 
even though you could build, you know, a dog host that's twice as big and three times as big and four times as big, you can't actually build one that's ten times as big. Even though it looks like you can, there is just like stuff about like, sort of like, I don't know, just like more to know about the nature of reality than you might guess. And just in a big way, like, this is true of like software, you know, you know, like we build like, these applications and we think, man, we can build an app soon. There will be apps everywhere and it'll be great. But it turns out to be hell because if you have a ton of apps, like we, it turns out we don't, actually don't know that much about how to construct software, especially software that talks to each other, especially stuff that like talks to each other at like scale across like these large magnitudes. And like the situation we're in is actually a giant mess. In a big, wow, I see, I see such a difference between asking for uh, basically communication between applications, which is like a far off dream that people have been talking about forever and we still haven't gotten and still haven't gotten to, to yeah. very, very small incremental progress on like a few parameters on Man, the, the even, AR even, headset even I have. It just like having something or doubling something might be impossible. I, I feel like that just might turn out to be impossible. Which one? Out of any of them. Literally any oh, of so them. Oh, you're just saying you don't know. Yes, I'm saying I just don't know. And I'm saying that okay. I feel like you don't know either, but the reason that you believe it is just because it's happened so far and that you believe that it'll keep happening. And I don't think there's any reason to believe that based on that at all. Except that the... the oh, we, we should really kill this podcast soon. It's pretty late. Yeah. Uh, at, at the... At the scale of physics we're working with here on like AR glasses, mm -hmm. we like the world does have a pretty decent understanding of physics at this level. And the limitations, there really are no limitations here. If there are no gonna, limitations, why doesn't it exist? That, that we're going to run up against the physical limitations. If there are no limitations, why doesn't it exist? It's, it just is going to take time to finish <laughs> That's, effectively. Like there it is. It keeps coming back to that like question. Like, I don't know. What takes time? And if, like, when something takes time, there could be anything that comes up in between then. Okay. There, there could be, but I'm, like, very willing to place a very, very large bet in a 50-year time frame on AR glasses. 50-year time frame, we're not going to have them. Okay, well, should we kill the, this the podcast? Real, the real-world form of this bet is investing in AR technology. Yeah. yeah. Go for it, and then don't go for it. I think yeah. I'm going to go work I, on it, so <laughs> we'll see, yeah. and I'll cut that part. Um, what'd you guys learn today? Did you already pause? I paused. Oh. Yeah. What'd you learn today? I learned that. I don't ever want to talk about charity again. Oof. Well, you didn't the first time. That's true. <laughs> well, that's very true. Um, I really, really want to do AR stuff right now. Like, I don't even want to go to sleep. I just want to work on it. Um, and I will be watching Seinfeld on repeat until the day I die. That's what I learned. Brandon, what did you, le you learn? I learned... Um, it's on my mind, so I'm going to say it, even though I didn't learn it today. I learned it yesterday, that uh, V8 is a terrible, <laughs> terrible drink and should invalidate all of Kenny's opinions on anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. I, I, I learned about that also very yeah? recently. Not too recently. Four more sips? <laughs> <laughs> What did you learn, Joel? Uh, I don't know. In <laughs> treading on Kenny's values is dangerous play. I may not wake up tomorrow. Okay, listen, <laughs> readers, if you don't hear from me in a week, the folks at home, folks at home, <laughs> the folks at home, Kenny did it. <laughs> is but will I have done it because of the Seinfeld comments or the AR comments? We'll never know. You know, let the lawyers. Maybe it's the combination. <laughs> Maybe any one of them would have been fine, but you can't go after AR and Seinfeld in the same day. <laughs> two topics, right? What? Two topics, right? This is two episodes. What'd you learn, Nicole? What did you learn? What a 
you know, when Brandon makes uh, Oreos with peanut butter, he uh, makes it for everyone else. Uh, no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's that, good. That really to the is. folks at home, he hasn't yet. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. <laughs>